Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Thomas Edison. Hi everyone, welcome to Honey Butter Ramblings, a coming-of-age lifestyle podcast brought to you by Bailey and Anne. Join us Wednesday evenings for ramblings on professional development, outdoor adventures, creative projects, and more. Ramblers, welcome back to week two. This week is all on professional development. We're talking resume tips, grad school apps, and finessing your fine self into the most professional young fellow you've ever seen. Transitioning from college to adulthood is more than just landing the job. It's a whole shift in thinking, culture, and behavior. This week is just dusting off the surface of topics we'll dive into later in the season. So the second half of today's podcast will be answering all the questions you submitted on professional development to us from this week. The first half, however, is going to be composed of some professional development themes that we're going to dive deeper into. Just a reminder that if you have a question, comment, or want to ramble about something with us, leave a comment on our website or social pages. Make sure to subscribe to our site to get the latest updates from all things Honey Butter Ramblings. Okay, so for those of you who read the top 10 resume tips for recent grads, what'd you think? I'd love to know. Um, I hope it was helpful to break down the daunting task of resume writing. And resumes are an incredibly like personal piece of work. As I said before, you're basically taking your entire life story and summing it up onto one page with your hopes, your dreams, talents, and ambitions all laid out raw for a stranger to judge. I mean, like, talk about pressure. That's a ton. <laughs> right? And it seems like every time you think you've crafted something just so perfect, another person will prefer it a different way, which is actually a great point. There is no one right way to do a resume. One person could love it, another could absolutely hate it. But let's ramble about some basic pointers that can help you out here. Okay, so you guys ready? All resumes, like the blog post said, should be one page with action words, keywords, and quantifiable numbers to represent results. So we're talking one-inch margins, clear font, black and white, or a splash of color if you're feeling frisky. Also, for all you STEM majors like me, science and math-related resumes will look a tad different than a liberal arts resume. And they'll usually be called CVs in the U.S., which is kind of trippy because everywhere else in the world, CVs are the exact same format as a resume. But anyways, make sure you have a technical skills section and list out all the hard skills such as computer programs and research databases that you know. Make sure to emphasize relevant classes and specific class projects. Most importantly, don't forget to list your experiences that relate to your field, no matter how small. Experience can sometimes be more important than grades, depending on where you're applying. From internships to tutoring to working in a research lab, anything helps. And for those of you who are more creative, like maybe you're in communications, media, English, psychology, film, or whatever your cup of tea is, internship experience is a must to stand out. Nowadays, you can do many for school credit or even pay, and it's a great way to get your foot in the door and beef up your resume experience. Please, please, please. Do an internship before you graduate. I promise you won't regret it. But how do you get that first internship? It's like that classic age-old saying of, you need experience to get the job, but you need jobs to give you experiences. It's a never-ending cycle. I know, good point. But I mean, I know I got my first internship my sophomore year of college. It was at a small agency, unpaid, and about 10 hours a week. So like, that doesn't seem like a lot, but like, it's good to start somewhere. And that one really helped me to leverage the next opportunity and slowly climb up from unpaid agency internships to paid corporate internships and eventually a job. I used my professor's network to find the internship. Networking is crucial. It's all about who you know and how you leverage them as mentors and door openers. 
it was those first couple of professors who brought in guest speakers and introduced me to my first agency internship that really helped me to score it. So shout out to Don Doty and Aaron Willis, if you're listening. Love you guys. That makes sense. And you're absolutely right. Networking is one of the most important things, regardless of industry. I know for me, my very first internship was in France during high school. It was a cooking internship because I was interested in the cooking and baking industry back then. But that is a story for another day. My first medical-related internship was after my freshman year of college. It was at a hospital in France, and it was in the organ and tissue transplantation department. It was really interesting, and having that on my resume definitely helps. Now, I found both of these internships through connections. I won't go in-depth for the first one since it doesn't relate to my field, but I got to do the transplantation internship thanks to a family friend. But I also made a lot of new connections from it. I'm still connected with the medical team I worked with and with the college professor that actually sponsored my internship. Since it was an internship for college credit, I had to have a professor sponsor it. He helped me a lot with the rest of college and with applying to graduate school too. Even though I had no connections for the internship I'm currently doing, I know my professor's recommendation reassured my current boss that I was serious about the internship. So yeah, as we said, networks are important to a young professional's development. And when it comes to networking, make sure you have your elevator pitch down. So like if I was stuck in an elevator with a CEO of one of my favorite company for 30 seconds, what would I say to them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's like how you sell yourself. How do you make yourself stand out? If I asked you what are the top important things to know about you, what would you come back with? Okay, and you ready? I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's hear your elevator pitch. <laughs> okay, well, for me, I would probably be talking to a lab supervisor or medical school committee, so might be a little different than the usual elevator pitch. But anyways, here goes. Hi, I'm Anne, and I would love to work in your lab or be a student at your medical school. I grew up in Colorado and went to the University of Colorado Boulder to get a Bachelor in Integrative Physiology and do my pre-med requirements in three years. I am fluent in English and French, which has helped me through a hospital transplantation internship in the past and is helping me in my current internship. I am currently an intern for a research lab in Montreal and will become a student intern when my master's program in experimental medicine at McGill begins in January. I'm a hard worker in the lab and in class, but I also know how to balance working, studying, and doing things I love, such as being outdoors or creating things. Sick. Nicely done. I would definitely hire you if I was any type of a medical professional. <laughs> Thank you very much. How about yours? Okay, folks. You ready? <clears throat> okay, I got to put on my professional voice here. Hi, I'm Bailey Gannett, a local Coloradoan and recent graduate from the University of Colorado Boulder. In my three years in college, I've held six internships, three on-campus jobs, and I was a leader in two student organizations. Currently, I'm six months into my new job as a communication specialist at a software company, working primarily in internal communications and social media. I'm super passionate about using PR and communications to make an impact on the world, and I do love the outdoor space, which is where I'd love to be eventually, because um, I really like to hike, ski, and bike. A round of applause. That was a wonderful speech, Miss Gannett. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let's chat a bit about our personal transitions into the working world. All right, let's start with Anne. How are you liking your full-time internship? Maybe you want to give our ramblers a taste into your day-to-day? -day? Sure, I'll try to give you ramblers a front row seat to the Anne show. <laughs> to answer your first question, Bailey, I'm loving my internship. It was a little weird at first to go to a 9-to-5 schedule, but I really like it because when I come home, I can actually do things I want to do because I don't have homework at the moment. I also love the environment and how amazing the people around me are. 
I get along really well with the other students, and I love how at the strike of noon, we all go eat our lunch together and talk about everything and anything. Every day is a little different because sometimes there are conferences we need to attend, or some days I need to see a patient for a glucose test and run analysis on their blood samples. On days where I don't have a conference or patient, I spend the day behind my computer working on my research. When I first started the internship, I was just running a ton of statistical tests. Now that I have my stats, though, I'm actually working on my first scientific article. If everything goes well, I'll be able to submit it for publication before Christmas. But like wearing the official lab coat's the best part, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I only wear it once a week when I have to run blood sample analysis, but it makes me super official. Call me Dr. Bonbon. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I love the work I'm doing because it's helping improve the lives of people who have cystic fibrosis, which is the most common genetically fatal disease in Caucasians. Anyways, this internship is great because I get to do actual research, but I also get to see the clinical side and work with patients since my lab supervisor is a researcher and a doctor at a hospital. Even though I find research very interesting and crucial, this internship is confirming that I really want to become more of a doctor, and seeing my boss interact with patients is truly inspiring. Oh, I love that. I could never like be a doctor. I could not work in that area because blood freaks me out and death freaks me out. But other than that, I can definitely relate. Um, but I'm, I'm super incredibly fortunate to work at a company um, where I work. I adore the people, and my boss is incredible, not only as like an industry professional, with an amazing career, but as a mentor and a teacher to help me as I transition. Um, and the transition to a nine to five job, usually more hours than that actually, um, has been kind of difficult. Like I was super used to doing like, used to like doing 10 billion different things in college. And like I, I was like super busy, but it was like different things. So like just focusing on one thing for extensive hours is like weird. It's an adjustment. Yeah, for sure. Another big difference between college and the adult world is your peer groups. Interacting with older colleagues and so many different co-workers at different stages in their lives is super different compared to college, where everyone is relatively the same age with the exact same goal. For instance, I have co-workers who are pregnant, some who are selling their house so that they can build a new one, some who are getting married, some that run half marathons every month, which is amazing, and some who have two plus kids. But it's really cool seeing all their different lives and how, like, what they do outside of work. Yeah, definitely. And my job has been tough in that regard because like I'm the youngest person by so many years. And sometimes trying to relate to other employees is challenging. But I kind of realized that when I graduated that adults are really like no different than young professionals. They're still silly and goofy and fun. And I mean, everybody still uses the words just checking in, just touching base on this project at least five times in an email, lol. And as a side note, when people tell you in college that you need to do group projects because they happen in the real world, there's a big difference in that. In the corporate world, everyone actually tries to do their part on a group project because it's their job and they're paid to do so. Whereas in college, I can't tell you how many times I carried an entire group project just because just because no one else would do it and the slackers would still get credit. What a joke. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I totally agree with that. There were so many late nights where I was cramming as much as I could into a group presentation because people didn't turn in their parts. Anyways, let's get to the burning questions that you guys have for us on professional development. If you don't hear your question answered, these messages, and we'll get you an answer. We just can't fit all of them into this podcast. So also, if any of you need help writing a cover letter, resume, or LinkedIn, please message us. I'm more than happy to give you a review. Same with grad school apps or CVs on my end. Okie doke. So first question is from at unsupervisedfun on Instagram. And he asked, 
What have you found to be the most useful skill you've developed in the last year regarding your work? Oh, that's a great question. I think one of the most useful skills I've developed is keeping an open mind while critically questioning everything. I found this to be pretty useful in research because when you're running all your stats tests, sometimes you really don't know what kind of results you're going to get. Sometimes your results will support your hypothesis and sometimes they won't. They'll show the complete opposite. It's important to keep an open mind when things don't go in the right direction. In research, you need to follow where your results take you, but it's always a good idea to question your results in order to make sure they are accurate and make sense. This skill also works for applying to grad school. Keep an open mind on where you want to go, but always question the school, the program, and yourself, because sometimes you think one place would be better than the other, but deep down, you know it would make you unhappy. So choose the school that makes you happy, not the one that looks better on paper, unless they're the same, of course. Uh, for me, I personally think one of the most critical skills I've learned and I'm continuing to learn because I still have a long way to go with it is attention to detail. Attention to detail is a skill that any person in any industry needs in this day and age. Our generation, myself included, are very like immediate response-based people wanting to keep things moving and progressing at like a super fast rate. But sometimes it's good to take a step back and really analyze the details. And me being a big big picture person, I've had to like really train myself to do this. I'm trying to practice this with myself by forcing myself to reread a blog, an email, or a communication. I write one more time than I think I should, and I always catch an additional mistake. So this is a good practice to keep yourself accountable, and I still kind of need to get better at it because I still have issues with it. <laughs> That's a great skill. I totally agree. I really should be doing that too. All right. These next two questions are from Patrick. He's got one for Bailey and one for me. So the question for Bailey is, what is something you learned that you didn't expect to while working in a professional environment or workplace? So as I was kind of touching on earlier, I learned that adults are like just like college students. They're just like kids. You know, you can cover it in a suit and tie and corporate lingo. But at the end of the day, everyone is still human. They still laugh. They still find the dumbest things funny. They still get scared and they still, still don't have the answers to everything. I think being in a professional environment and becoming an, adult, becoming an adult overall has really taught me that you never actually know everything. And you can pretend to have grown up as much as you want, but you'll never be fully ready to tackle everything in life. You can definitely grow wiser and more experienced, but the professional world is still laced with real people and real feelings at the end of the day. All right. And Patrick's question for me is, what should I do if I'm not sure if I should go to medical school? It's a great question. I can definitely relate to that. As a pre-med student, there will be a lot of days where you will literally stare at the ceiling and ask yourself, why the heck am I doing this to myself? Do I even want to become a doctor anymore? No matter how studious you are, it's really hard to keep that motivation going. But if you stick with it through even the hard days, then that is a good sign that you can get into and should go to medical school. Now, if you know you can get into medical school, but aren't sure because you're debating between different career paths, then I would say do your research on each. Go talk to people in those careers, find out why they chose this job, whether they like it, what their mottos are. Trust me, you can learn a lot just from people's mottos. Also, ask them if you can shadow them for a few days. If you're still unsure what path you want to go down after doing all of that, then I recommend flipping coin or spinning a wheel if you have more than two options. As the coin or wheel are turning, you'll probably realize that you want it to land on a certain option. If not, then maybe put your decision in Feet's hands. <laughs> Just kidding. 
No matter what, though, I think everyone knows where they want to go deep down. So my best advice is to follow your gut and your heart. Choose the path that will make you happy. Not your friends, not your parents, but you. Preach. Side note, if you're just on the path to heal people, remember that medical school is not the only option, which Bailey mentioned to me multiple times. Um, You can still work in the medical field. I wanted her to be a baker. (laughs) She should have been a baker. I'll probably be a baker eventually, just after I retire. (laughs) But anyways, you can still work in the medical field as a nurse or PA and such. They might not have the title of doctor, but they work just as much, sometimes even more, and they usually know as much as the doctors do, or sometimes even more too. So shout out to nurses and PAs. Woo. Okay, so our next question is submitted by Max G. And Max G wants to know, should you negotiate during your first job? Okay, that's a great question. And before I got my first job, I would have said, no, be lucky you got a job. Like it's your first time, just take what you can get. But no, 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 I'm going to backtrack that because actually you should always negotiate especially as a woman, negotiate your ass off. If you work hard, if you deserve it, don't be afraid to negotiate and ask for what you want. Um, Obviously, do your research. Make sure that it's reasonable what you're asking. Uh, Go into it looking at Glassdoor ahead of time or other websites that can tell you a decent salary range or, you know, what to expect out of average benefits so that when you get that first offer, you can actually know whether that is a decent offer and whether that's what you're worth. But absolutely definitely negotiate you won't regret it i wasn't going to and i actually had a mentor at my last internship who was like no bailey you you got to go in and ask for this and i was like oh my god that seems so ballsy like even my even my parents were like i don't know if you should do that um but i went ahead and i actually got i i it worked out like do negotiate it's worth it It makes a difference. And the worst thing they can do is say no. As long as you do your research and know your worth ahead of time, it's totally fine. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like definitely, definitely negotiate. Like whether it's your salary, number of hours you're working each week, I definitely recommend negotiating because you can always get a little bit more, like a little bit higher salary, especially as a woman, because sometimes they do pay you less. So do your research. Also like number of maybe vacation weeks or maternity leave. Or work from home. Yeah, they get creative, you know, like, especially in the digital age, you could easily, you know, negotiate if you have if you have a family or if you have other commitments, be like, can I work from home on Fridays? Or can I, like Anne said, like get an extra PTO? Like, you can be creative with your benefits. All right. And then next question is from anonymous source from email. And it is, how important are grades when it comes to finding a job? And I think that is a great question because a lot of people, especially coming out of um, undergrad, they're very worried about their grades. Like maybe they don't have a 4.0 and they're worried they're not going to get a job because of that. But even though grades are important because they show you worked hard in school, they're not the most important things, Um, even in science related or math related jobs after college um, experience is one of the biggest factors when it comes to getting a job because it shows that you kind of went out into the world and did something especially in science related because if you have experience that means you probably worked in a lab or worked with other science-minded people and that means you can work in a science-related job 
And I think, you know, grades are definitely important. I had a 4.0 major, 3.8 overall GPA in college. And I was proud of it. Like, I was like, yeah, I worked my butt off. But at the same time, like, I mean, Anne's right. Grades are not everything. And, you know, my GPA might have made someone like me more, but it didn't get me the job. What got me the job was the internship experiences and, and the network that I used. And, you know, having a good resume. So grades aren't everything. Absolutely try your hardest and be the best person you can be. But if the best you can do is scoring a B, like that's totally fine. Don't sweat the small stuff. Okay. So final question is from someone who's choosing to remain anonymous. Totally cool. Not a big deal. Um, But they asked, how do you choose between two jobs or schools? Well, that's another great question. And we actually both have experience in that domain because both Bailey and I have had to choose between two or more options before. So back in May, I had to choose between two graduate schools. I had been accepted at the University of Colorado, Denver for a master's in anatomy program, as well as McGill's experimental medicine master's program. Now, even though McGill is better ranked and more known on a global scale, I think they are both amazing schools and both programs are very interesting. After going through an interview with both programs, I had a good feeling about both. I had been able to talk to students and professors or supervisors from both programs, and I had a good idea of what each program would look like. The students and faculty from both schools were also very encouraging and helpful and really nice. As you can tell, both programs were a good fit. They were even both in the medical school department, which helps a lot for when I applied to medical school. Um, The main big difference between the two schools was the location. CU Denver is about 40 minutes away from Boulder, where I live, so it wouldn't have been a big adjustment. I would have still been in the same state as most of my friends and my parents. McGill, on the other hand, is in Montreal, about 2,000 miles away. Even though the thought of moving so far away was terrifying, it was also very exciting. And that was a determining factor. I decided on McGill because I was ready for a big change, and I wanted to experience something new and different. Also, when I learned that I had been accepted to both schools, I had a kind of a gut reaction telling me to go with McGill. So I followed it, and I do not regret it. Of course, I miss Bailey. Uh (laughs) My friends and my family... But I'm also in love with this new adventure. So when you're deciding between your options, follow your gut feeling. It's usually 99.9%, right? I was going to say, I am not a fan of the McGill choice, but it's fine. As long as Anne is happy. Um, but yeah, I think mean, it makes sense. Like, choose, choose, you know, what you think is right. Um, so when it came to me, when I was deciding on what job to take, I had a series of three offers. Um And it's really scary because sometimes it feels like a guessing game. And if anyone knows me, like, you know, I hate the unknown. And I absolutely hate making a decision without knowing what the outcome is. Like, not a fan. Uh, So I had like one option in an industry that I adored, but the benefits in the work-life balance and the opportunity for growth were like null, like not a Zippo. Um, I had an option. The second option was I had an option at a company that I loved with an amazing culture and teammates and decent benefits. But the job wasn't challenging, and again, the opportunity for growth wasn't present, or as present. I ended up choosing the third option, which was an industry that I wasn't super savvy on, a team I barely knew, and it was a role that was going to be the most challenging and offer the most opportunity for personal and professional growth. At the end of the day, yes, money and benefits are important. We all want to be balling. We all want to you know, own a Ferrari. But 
the two biggest factors I think need to be the people that you're going to be working with and the opportunity to be constantly learning and challenging yourself. I chose the option that I chose because it came with a boss that was uh, had strong recommendations, a boss that I knew would be an amazing mentor and leader and push me out of my comfort zone. I chose the job that was scariest because I knew it would challenge me to excel far past what I believe the other opportunities presented. You really have to look at your values and what's important to you. For me, I really value relationships and achievements as two of my two main core values. Um, and I'm extremely happy with the decision I made, even if it was scary at the time, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and taking that risk is worth it. That's true. I remember when you were deciding and that was the worst. You were very scared, but I'm so happy that you're happy. But like for everyone going through that right now, like the job process and like finding a job and not knowing what's right, it's going to be okay. It will work out in the end. I didn't believe anyone had told me that, but trust me, it does. <laughs> I agree. It always works out in the end. Anyways, thanks to everyone that submitted questions. And if we didn't get to your question in this podcast, please DM us if you'd like an answer and we'll answer it on social. If you didn't already check out Bailey's blog on resume tips that she posted Monday, please go check it out. It's great. Yeah. The next blog post will be out tomorrow night and it will be on getting your graduate groove on. Oh, and guess what, guys? Join us next week because the topic is relationships. That's right. We're going to get into the deep, raw feelings of managing relationships post-college. Stay tuned for information on Anne's love life, managing friendships, and more exciting things to come. Have a wonderful week, Ramblers. <laughs>